Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. It's a fine, frosty day in Saskatchewan, and it's a great day for getting together to worship the Lord God Almighty. Uh, it's an exciting day. We have a couple of young men getting baptized this morning, and uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say to us as well, and then being part of this uh, ceremony that God instructs us to do, to baptize people, and to it's part of the discipleship process. So, as we start our service this morning, just a couple of announcements. Uh, one is that our annual general meeting is happening this Wednesday at 7 p.m., so uh, you are all invited to that. However, only people who are formerly members of Emmanuel Baptist Church will be able to vote, but if you're at all part of our church family, we invite you to come and be a part of that annual meeting. We'll be electing a new slate of officers for the year and adopting our new budget, going over last year's uh, money figures and all the rest of that good stuff. That's this Wednesday at 7. Uh, the next two Sundays, Kathy and I are gone, and um, we are really starting to look forward to this. We've never done anything like this before. We're flying to Houston, Texas, uh, driving to Galveston, getting on a boat, going to Jamaica, and uh, so this is, this is brand new. And uh, people asked me yesterday if I, if I have trouble with seasickness. I don't know, never been there before, so we'll, we'll find out. I could be very good at it, who knows? <laughs> uh, just for your information, we had a really great week here at Emmanuel. Uh, on Tuesday night, we had Melanie came with, with her horse and, and sleigh. And, and we gave the Sparkies rides in, in a one-horse open sleigh. We went dashing through the snow. And, and they, it was so cool because I could stand outside the, the double doors there of the fellowship hall. And, and she was across the road with the sleigh and the horse and the kids. And, like, I could hear them giggling and laughing from way over there. It was really cool. And then we had this really cool men's breakfast yesterday, so that all went good, too. So it was an exciting week. Um, there's an evening service tonight. And uh, here's what's going to happen. It's a, we are showing a movie. It's uh, 90 minutes long, so if you come tonight, please be prepared for that. But Jeremy, if you could run that trailer for us, you might have to kill the lights. And yeah, let's just have a look at that, and then we'll ask. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Moving through history in an unguided and undesigned way, the theory of evolution. Excuse me. Yes, Ben. How did life begin in the first place? Mr. Stein, you have the same question every time. Well, you never answer it, sir. It develops, it dis, we are, dis, you, you know, we've been through this so many times, you have Could me so. Could there have been an intelligent designer? So what are you here for? I made a movie. Join Ben Stein in this year's most controversial documentary film. If they value their careers, they should keep quiet about their intelligent design views. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. I have never been treated like this in my 30 years in academia. I lost my job. It's a funny thing that questions that aren't properly answered don't go away. How did we get 
from an inorganic world to the world of the cell. It might have started off on the backs of crystals. So you have no idea how it started? No, 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 no nor has anybody. Nor has anyone else. So intelligent designers believe that God is the designer. God is about as unlikely as fairies, angels, uh, hobgoblins, etc. Science makes no use of the hypothesis of God. I mean, it's essentially official policy of the National Academy of Science that religion and science will not be related. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch a higher power, cannot possibly touch God. Must be some movie. Expelled. No intelligence allowed. Rated PG. Take a few minutes now. Let's let's uh, become quiet inside ourselves. We've come into this building to worship, to learn, and uh, let's just take a few moments and switch our focus to God and worship Him in the inner part of our being. Stand and sing with us.
Before even time began, my life was in His hands. He knows my name. Call to worship this morning. Uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Let's just bow for a word of prayer as we open. My dearest Heavenly Father, we uh, gather together in Your name as Your uh, as Your believers as your body as your church as your bride and uh, we pray that um, we would uh, learn something this day through you and through what uh, bill has for us uh, something in a new and fresh way and we just thank you for these many blessings in jesus mighty name amen One of the realities of life in Emmanuel Baptist Church is that uh, Nippon Bible College has a huge part in our church life, and uh, we're grateful for the students and staff that are, have chosen to make this their church home. But it's exciting when a couple of the students decide that they want to uh, 
grow in their walk with the Lord to uh, dedicate their lives to him. And so uh, Kyle Larson and Hector Moat have asked to be baptized and we're sure glad to be able to accommodate them for that and uh, to uh, send them out from here. Don't know where the Lord is going to take him, but we know that he will continue to do great things in their lives. So I'm going to come ask them to come at this time. Hector, if you would start first and uh, then Carl, come and give your testimonies and then Hector and his friends are going to uh, do some special music for us and then we'll do the baptism. So Hector, please. Good morning, NBC. I mean, EBC. Sorry, I get mixed up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm totally sorry. I'm goofy that way. Um, my name's Hector Moore. I'm from Nari House, Manitoba. Um, um, I don't like writing my stuff down, so I'll just wing it. So I've always rolled <laughs> it. Um, um, growing up, I come from. Well, uh, not a very solid Christian home, let's just say that. Um, was, they didn't have a strong family life. Um, didn't have a lot of peers or friends and then grew up basically alone. Um, the, at that time, the, uh, the Christians around my home community weren't very uplifting to me at all. So. I felt totally alone. <laughs> um, then um, I decided to study, uh, well, just read the Bible straight at one point in my life, and I read it straight and found a lot of good values, and then just how um, the Christian influence at uh, my hometown wasn't very, it wasn't very positive. And at that time, I uh, turned my back on God. And then, at, even when I turned my back on God, I decided just to live by, you know, just the positive teachings I learned from that book. And, and that's when I just got to the core of things, just started thinking, you know, just how, uh, like, why do, uh, why is it that, in a sense, I heard somebody say this, that um, sinners have more love than Christians, and the kind of world I come from, that is true. Um, I kept, uh, and then I've had some, I've, I've, I've had some Christian friends, like my other, um, when I went to, uh, I started going to a different, um, I started turning my focus at attentions again on God, and started hanging out with Brad a bit, um, my partner in crime, Brad Lytle, and his, and his family, um, the Lytles that were ministering, and I, uh, I gained knowledge, but I, um, the world I was living in wouldn't allow me to uh, fully express my love for God. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> um, I was a dark person, and got, got into a whole bunch of things involving drugs and alcohol. And yeah, wasn't pretty. And then I started coming sh like more and more in touch with God. Then came the 365 a couple of years, and then me and Brad were like, "Let's come to NBC," and we did. And so much has changed. I've learned 
I've learned what God's grace is. I've learned what grace actually is. I didn't know what grace was until someone actually explained it to me. And that helped so much. And short story, um, come a long ways. I've conquered a lot of demons and I'm not angry anymore. And, uh, I'm at peace with God. Thank you. Hello, for anyone who might not know me, I am Kyle Larson, and I'm just going to tell you the story of my life. Um, now, God definitely has blessed me growing up. I've been fortunate to grow up with both parents who love the Lord, um, as well as an older sister and an older brother. The thing is, though, I was the one that needed to choose my faith, not them. So in 1997, I, at the age of five, chose to go to my parents to figure out how to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But to end my story at that would not make sense because God doesn't just ask for a one-time experience where we acknowledge who he is. Rather, God asks us to throw away our old selves and become new creations, allowing our relationship with God to grow. And so my life continues. Now, of course, I didn't just change overnight. I was still that small uh, child that was the youngest of the family. I wasn't really that on fire for God. Um, to be real with you guys, I was still young and naive. Um, the last year and a half probably has been the best years of my life, but I will get to that in a while. So there the start of my relationship was underway. I was still small, young, and still always getting in trouble. It wouldn't be a normal day if my parents didn't have to say uh, a couple times in a loud and stern voice, Kyle! <laughs> now you could assume along with that would possibly be some kind of discipline. And let me tell you, I was pretty good at finding reasons for my parents to discipline me. Uh, fortunately for them though, I started school, which was a nice way for me to unload a lot of energy. And so my life continues. My parents always doing family devotions, us kids always going to kids club? Yep, life was pretty simple. Sometimes I would even invite my friends to come to kids club. Looking back though, I really didn't see my passion uh, to seek Jesus growing. Then junior high hit, the place where my life would not uh, reflect how I was at home. I became a much quieter person, trying not to leave any way for someone to put me down. I found myself trying to survive like all the other students not afraid to hurt others just to save my own hide. At the same time, I was the boy who got all the answers right first in Sunday school, and all the adults admired me because I didn't drift from the faith. But whose faith? I mean, I never really did anything to grow with God, and I was slowly sinking into a depression that no one ever noticed. Then camp came, the first stepping stone in my growth with God in a deeper sense. See, because when I was at camp, I felt alive. I felt useful. I felt saved. So at the age of 14, I rededicated my life to God. I, uh, then boom, the wall. Going back to high school meant my faith, which I felt so good about at camp, dropped to a normal low. 
So for the next four years, it cycled. Camp, conviction, school, sermons, guilt, camp, absence of devotions, loneliness, school, until finally graduation. So naturally, I picked up my habit and went to camp, which I'll remember as the best summer so far. When counseling, I took up a natural position of authority among the other guys that year and felt like I grew so much. But what for my future plans? I always figured I'd go to Bible college, and that summer I was guided towards Nippon Bible College. Once I got here at Nippon, I quickly became a fan of this school. Being away from home was pretty easy. I had three grandparents in town and two cousins right on campus. Classes were fun, teachers were great, but I was still missing something. I still needed that zeal for God, not just to follow the Bible because I was a legalistic person, but because there's something more that a person can find in God than through anything else on the earth. And so the year progressed. I made friends, I got involved in soccer, I passed classes, and I strove for devotions. I couldn't keep consistent, however, and so guilt would push down on me. Last year's school theme was sincerely broken, and everyone seemed to be, to be meeting that theme, but not I. I would wonder, why wouldn't I break for you, God? Then finally, I started getting consistent with devotions. I was growing in my relationship with God, finding meaning and hope. What more, God blessed me with a girl who I could grow close to. God just began showing me what he would do, that he would do something for me. Uh, year two of college, and I built up a high expectations of what would uh, come. Rather, I found myself feeling distant from God again. The beautiful thing, though, was that I was finally broken. I finally crashed. I finally cried out. With all the pressure, I could only bawl and cry out to God. To God. And then, as our loving Father does so well, he comforted me. Last semester seemed to be full of those experiences, where I'd come overwhelmed to him and find that I could open myself to him. One of the most encouraging things that God led me to when I was breaking down to him was Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. This semester of school uh, seems like it's barely started, and yet God has blessed me with a wonderful trip to Vancouver where I could see firsthand the needs of God's lost children. Not just for food and shelter, but for someone to look them in the eyes, listen to their life problems, and give them sincere respect, just like we would want others to look at us and respect us. It is a simple thing like that which God has been showing me. And because of those things, and because of God, I can be excited when looking for the, towards the future that God has for me. For I know that whatever way God leads me, he will always keep teaching me. And though I might not understand, I know it will always be good for me. All these events have led to today, my baptism. And all of us should know this is my public declaration to those within the church that I'm going to pursue God with my whole heart. But for me, it's far more than that. Because at the very base of baptism, I'm about to do what God has commanded from all who follow him. And I know that being baptized will please God. I just have one more thing, though, to say before I'm done talking. What I'm about to say should hopefully give everyone something to think about when I get baptized. Baptism, when put in the simplest term, signifies the washing of the spirit. 
the cleansing as Jesus paid my penalties, making me white as snow. But when I plunge into that water, I want everyone to imagine God turning his head away from his son Jesus while he hung there on the cross, taking my sin upon himself. Because even though I might be the person going into the water, my efforts can't compare to what God has already done for me, what Jesus has done on the cross. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all for supporting us. songs that uh, really felt close to me and uh, kind of seemed to fit was I've decided to follow Jesus. Um, so we're going to sing this for you today and if you guys want to join along in it, that's great. That'd be awesome. decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though I may want
Hector and I had a conversation the other day, and he told me a little bit of the story of his life. And, and so um, when he told me about some of the, the battles that he fought and the dark things that he went through, uh, my mind went to a verse that I could pick for him. And so here it is, Hector. It's from 1 John chapter 5, and it's verse 18. Scripture says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, but here's the one, here's the phrase that is for you. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. Hector, do you acknowledge Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life? Without a doubt. All right, then upon your profession of faith and in obedience to his command, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, not only do I have a verse for you, but I have another treat for you as well. So um, I'm going to ask your mom to come up and take care of that. Are you cold? Oh, it's going to make you wait a little bit. The most common word in our house when Kyle was young was Kyle. <laughs> and there are family that will contest to that. He shook our ground, but that's okay. And Kyle, I, I had a couple things jotted down here, um, which are pertinent, um, but um, after your testimony too, and I think a lot of parents can contest to it. Um, we know that our kids struggle, and, and it's hard for a parent because you know um, a lot of things that you're gonna say to your kids, they're not gonna receive it the same way as they may sit here from someone else. So you need to know that in those moments when you were struggling, mine and dad's greatest defense was prayer. And you had grandparents praying for you, and um, not then and even now, but in your future, you know and you've been raised in a home that you are only one phone call away from prayer. And that is our greatest defense, whether our kids are struggling um, or at any other time. I had a couple of texts and phone call from your sister this morning. They wanted to pass on a verse, and um, they're encouraging words to walk in newness of life. And the verse that Tammy and Oscar um, chose for you was Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live in newness of life. And then I had a verse in Philippians, which is a very common verse um, from your dad and I. And it doesn't really need a lot of in, um, instruction. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forget what is behind and strain towards that which is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for God, um, for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, we are just simply instructed to put our mistakes and our imperfections, which we are riddled with, behind us, and to continue to press on for the prize. We are delighted and proud of you. You have made good choices. We know you will continue to make good choices. We are delighted that you have chose to follow in obedience to God. You will be blessed because of it, as you have always blessed us. 
and we are just delighted, and we love you. After our, uh, Cal and I had coffee the other day, and he told me a little bit about uh, some of the things that he's facing, and so um, my mind went to this verse out of Jeremiah, Cal, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So, Cal, do you acknowledge Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life? I do. Then upon your profession of faith and in obedience to his command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How's everybody this morning? Good, good. Let's just bow our heads and let's pray before you go off. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, for giving us Jesus that we can learn from, Lord, that uh, we can learn new things every day. And since we were children, you looked after us, and we pray that you'd be with these children as we learn more about you. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Off you go. At this time, I'll ask the ushers to come forward, and we'll take up the morning's tithes and offerings. Let's just bow once again for a word of prayer. Every, our Heavenly Father, we uh, bow before your, your awesome presence and uh, just give you all the glory of, of who we are and, and what we have. We just... Um, are ever thankful for the, the needs you supply for us day by day and the jobs we have and, and all the things we're enabled to do. We pray now that as we give a portion back to you uh, that is yours in the first place, that we would do so cheerfully and it would be used to further your kingdom here and around the world as we pray it in your mighty name. Amen. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, we'll do the Bible reading. I'm going to be turning to Colossians, tucked there in the back of the New Testament. I'm reading from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your, your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. 
Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the crea its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's as far as we'll read here. Anna Reese, I'll call you forward for your um, music ministry. This week of my own baptism, I actually was looking through some pictures and found my baptism certificate, and sure enough, the same verse that Kyle, Kyle was given, I was given, and so some flashbacks there, and I can so relate to how Kyle was talking about how, how you strive for perfection, and sometimes, well, often you don't match up, and something that God has been teaching me over and over is that it's not about me anyways, it's about him. And so just want to praise God um, through these songs right now. Glory to God forever. It's not about us, it's about him. Well, you please stand and sing these songs.
It's time for our prayer and share. If you look in your bulletins, you'll see a number of requests that are there. We are going to pray for uh, Brian and Laurel Hopfe. Brian is the director of the Youth for Christ Youth Center in Weyburn, and he's asked for prayer for an additional female staff members 
and he talks there about a number of youth who are asking questions, so we will be praying for them. Uh, we're certainly going to pray for Kyle and Hector today. And uh, then regarding Emmanuel Baptist Church, you'll see prayer requests in there for our women to become women of faith and our men to have courage and vision. And uh, those are wonderful prayers and um, they're dangerous prayers, but uh, they're prayers that we certainly need to pray. Now, if you have something that you would like to share with us this morning, here's your chance. But uh, please slip up a hand and I will come charging over there with the microphone, Marianne. As I was talking to Jalan this morning, she asked for prayer for surgery. Um, she was supposed to have it in December, and then she came home. She was supposed to have it in January, and she went to the wrong hospital. So she's wondering if she should have it, actually. Uh, it's scheduled for Wednesday the 15th, and uh, she just asked for our prayers and to thank Emmanuel for praying for her. And Scotland's a long ways away from here, but not for God. So, All right. Someone else. Good morning, everyone. I just praise the Lord. I, on Friday, I got a special sort of uh, natural type of a needle in my knee, and it has helped quite a bit, but I still have my hip to contend with. So I'd just like to continue to pray about that. And I'd like you to pray for my uh, daughter-in-law's family. Her dad just died. Okay. Thank you. Someone else? Okay, that's it. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it's again a privilege to come before you this morning, a privilege that I know I don't exercise often enough, and uh, sometimes we just get busy, which is really dumb. But Lord, thank you for the privilege of coming to you in worship. Thank you for the privilege of coming to you to bring to you our, our cares and our worries and our woes. But Lord, sometimes we need to start with thanksgiving, and we want to do that this morning. Thank you for being the great God who you are. We praise you for your power. We praise you for uh, just who you are, Lord, that, that everything you have and do is under your control. Thank you that we can trust you, and Lord, that gives us great peace. And we ask your forgiveness for not trusting you enough, for worrying about things sometime when we don't need to. Father, we thank you for your great and constant love for us, for the fact that your word says even when we are faithless, that you continue to remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself. And our hope is tied up in your character and your immutability, the fact that you don't change, the fact that we can count on you at all times, the fact that your feelings never change, and, and Lord, we're, we're just so glad for you being you. Father, as we come before you this morning, we would bring some of our praise and prayer requests to you. We remember Brian and Laurel and their ministry and Weyburn. 
And we pray, as Brian has asked us for, for, another, for a female staff member for the youth center. And then, Father, that you would give the staff wisdom as they answer questions. We pray that you would guide and direct the young people. And we thank you this morning for the testimonies of Kyle and Hector for the way that you have guided and directed their lives up until this point in time. And Father, we know that you will continue to nudge and guide and direct them every step of the way for the rest of their lives uh, until we all meet together before your throne in eternity. Lord, I ask your blessing upon these young men. I pray that you would guide their plans, help them to formulate the things that, that uh, are before them. Uh, and, and Father, like, as they stand at the threshold of a, a, a lifetime, we just pray that you would guide them, we pray that you would guard them, and we pray that you would use them in a very real way. We thank you for making them as unique as you did, for uh, orchestrating their circumstances that brought them to this point in time. And Father, we just pray your protection over them and your guidance for them. Thank you, Father, for Emmanuel Baptist Church, for this unique church family. Uh, we are part of a greater family. We're much bigger family in Nipawin, but this is, this is the home where we live, and, and so we thank you for that, and we pray your blessing upon the men and women of this church. Father, we pray that you would help us men to be men of courage and vision, that you would help us to be the leaders in our home, to guide and direct our families and our spouses. And then, Father, we pray for uh, the women of this church. We pray that you would help them to be women of faith, that you would um, help them to teach us men the things that we need to know and we thank you for, um, for their faith and for their courage and Lord we just pray that you would guide and direct their steps as well. Thank you for Jolan, Lord and for directing her and as she faces surgery this Wednesday we pray that you would guide the hands of the doctors as well and then Father we, for Anne we thank you for uh, the relief from pain that she's had and we pray for this daughter-in-law who has lost her her father in this uh, past little while as well. Father, thank you for this great country in which we live. We pray for our prime minister, for our government at uh, the national level, at our provincial level, at our municipal level here. Father, we thank you for those whom you have placed over us. We thank you for the wisdom that you have given and that you are going to give. And we ask that your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning, Lord. We've come into this building with, with a whole pack full of burdens and concerns and care and sins and everything else. And, and Father, you tell us that we can cast all our burdens on you because you care for us. Thank you for your grace. We heard about that this morning. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your one and only Son. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to show that love to the world all around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to that passage that I assume Dave read for you earlier. I wasn't in this particular room when that was supposed to happen, but I um, go by faith that it did. We're in Colossians chapter 3. I want to start off, while Dave has read that passage, I want to start off by reading just the first three verses for us to focus or to begin our focus on this morning and then to take you a little bit deeper. 
Colossians chapter 3, we'll read the first three verses there. Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. I want to talk this morning about the walking dead. There have been a number of movies and there has been a resurgence and in interest in this phenomenon of, of people who are called zombies. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but supposedly a zombie is someone who has died or whose soul is taken away. It's a living being without a soul who somehow has been, been uh, resurrected through witchcraft or, or some other means, and probably Frankenstein is probably one of the greatest examples of this. But in 2010, some 40-some-odd movies were made around this world on this phenomenon of zombies, and I know there are a number of people that have expressed a great interest in that. We're not going in that direction when we talk about the living dead or the walking dead. But the idea of the walking dead, we're not zombies, but it should give us, it should spark some thinking on us because the Bible teaches us that, that we are supposed to be dead to ourselves, and, but we are alive to Christ, and so in a very real sense, a Christian uh, a committed Christian is someone who is a walking dead person. And there's a biblical reality. The Bible teaches us about this spiritual reality that we are the walking dead. The Bible says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see, technically what happens when you and I become Christians, where we make that, that decision, that, that where we cross that crisis point in our lives where we say, I am now willing to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Technically, you die to yourself and you live, you become this new person. And I'm going to give you some, some biblical proof of that in just a moment. But many people, when they become a Christian, it is just something that they add to a life that is already full. And they say, well, here is this compartment called Christianity, and, and I'm going to leave that over there. But I still have all this life to live over here. And the Bible says that's not the way things work. When you become a Christian, you die to self. You become, in some ways, you become a walking dead person and you now have a new life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says these words, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And it talks about this contrast between the old and the new. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And then he says, the life that I now live, I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. And so there's that, that biblical reality, that, that theoretical reality that says, when I become a Christian, I die to self, and now live this new life. And we wish that we're so. But we live in a world, the world of Romans 7, and I would encourage you to turn there with me in your Bibles. We live in this frustrating real world of Romans 7. 
that corpse that is supposed to be the old self doesn't always go away. It's still there. It still exerts control. And so you, you wind up in, in this frustrating thing that Paul writes about in Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. He says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And then jump down to verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for what I do is not the good I want to do, to know the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And so he concludes in verse 24 of that chapter. He says, what a wretched man, what a miserable being I am because I find this duality at work in me, this tremendous struggle within me. And there's a story that is told uh, one time of this, this Inuit man who was... Who was um, talking about this reality, and he said, it's like there's two great big sled dogs that are living within me, and they fight, and sometimes one wins, and sometimes the other wins. It's like a black dog and a white dog, and someone asked him the question, well, which dog wins? And he said, the one I feed the most. And there's a lot of truth in that particular statement. You see, we, we live with that frustration. But the wonderful thing about that is, and if, if the Bible stopped there and said, what a wretched, miserable person I am, we would all go, yeah, I know what that's like. And I am a wretched and miserable person too. But you need to read on from there and Paul writes, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And so I can go to God and I say, Lord, oh, Lord, I hate myself. I don't like what I do. And, and, and I know what I should do, I don't do. And Lord, I can't, like, uh. and, and you want to beat yourself up. And there's this wonderful reality now that there is no condemnation. Why? Because Jesus Christ bore it all. He took the punishment. And so while we have this theoretical reality, this biblical reality that says the old is gone, the new has come, I am crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a frustrating reality, but it can be lived. And in Colossians chapter 3, we have some very real and some practical instructions on how to do that. You see, I am a walking dead man, but I struggle because that corpse, that old person wants to resurrect itself and assert control of my life. But I can deal with that. And so the Bible says, since then you have been raised with Christ. It tells me to do several things. 
But it tells me, first of all, if you go to chapter or, or verse 5 in chapter 3, the Bible tells us that we are to put to death. That's a command. It means that we are to slay. It means that we are to deprive of power or to destroy something else. And it says it's like being an impotent old man. I don't want to be there, but I will be. To make powerless, to take the power away of something. And the Bible says, put to death, therefore, and it's something that you and I need to do. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Um, verse 8, but you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, we could just get rid of that, of rage, of malice, when you're doing evil, when you're plotting to do evil to somebody, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. And so the Bible says these are some things that you are to put to death, and these are things that I need to work with in my own life. I see that coming up. Somebody irritates me or something happens to me, and this, this bile rises up within me, and I have this tendency to, to, to get angry. And sometimes I have to just bite my tongue and, and clench my teeth and say, you know what? I am not going there. I choose not to go there. I am not letting that control me. I am putting that to death. And so we are to put things to death. It's like those two dogs that are fighting within us. The one we are to put down. And then we are to feed the one that needs to win. And so the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 1, set your hearts, it means to seek things. Seek the things that are above. Think about where Christ is, what he is, what he's doing. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And therefore, verse 12, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, again another command, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love. And then let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Wouldn't this be a wonderful church if every one of us lived by those words? You know, and if you're not from, from Nippuan, for those, those, your students and, and people that are visiting here this morning, wouldn't your, your home church be a wonderful church if everyone lived like that? Wouldn't your house be a wonderful place to live if husbands and wives lived by those words and if fathers and mothers and children all lived by those words? And wouldn't it be a wonderful country if we could live by those words, if we could all be clothed with humility and compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience? Just think of what this world would be like. Now, I may not control what goes on in Nippuan. I may not control what goes on on my street. And I may not control, in fact, I don't control anything that happens in this church much. The only thing, the only person that I can control is the one that lives inside here. 
And so this isn't about your neighbor. This isn't about your wife. This isn't about your roommate or your father or your mother or your kid brother or sister. This isn't about anybody else except you. The Bible says to me, I am to put things to death. That old corpse that wants to resurrect itself inside me, I am to put that to death, and then I am to clothe myself, to put on, to, to gather around me and, and, and accept these things, these positive things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, forgiveness, love, a peace of Christ rule in my heart, gratitude, let the word of Christ dwell in me richly as I teach and admonish with all wisdom and as I sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in my heart to God and whatever I do. This is written to me. You read your Bible. You read your Bible and put the word I in there. Whatever I do. Do it all in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, whether it is shoveling snow out of my driveway, whether it is pounding fence posts in my yard, whether it is washing the dishes or doing the laundry or cleaning a toilet. Whatever I do, the Bible says, I am to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Lord, for sending the snow so I can shovel it. When's the last time you said that? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for my husband who leaves his dirty underwear in the corner of the bedroom. Right? Thank you, Lord, for my kids who never pick up after themselves. There's a really cool video posted on YouTube about this 15-year-old girl who was bellyaching about how tough her life was. And uh, she posted this rant on Facebook about her parents. And uh, you should look it up. And uh, her dad went on, uh, and he says, I found this thing. He says, you, you thought you could hide this, but I found it. And he said, uh, here it is. And so he shares it on Facebook. And he says, by the way, here's your computer. And here's my 45. And he goes, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Put to death. Bang. <laughs> that computer is dead, man. Like, it's just gone. And the Bible says you and I are to deal with our old selves to put it to death, you know. Shoot that baby. Get rid of it and put on, not just put off the old stuff, but put on the good stuff. I am so grateful for Kyle and for Hector for their testimonies this morning, and that's exactly one of the pictures that baptism says, I am buried with Christ. And now I'm just as he was raised to a new life, I want to live a new life as well. And so please pray for Kyle and, and for Hector, because you know what? When they stand up and poke their heads up above the crowd and make a testimony like this, they also become targets of the enemy. So pray for their protection. Pray that God would give them strength. Pray for some of these young people that Brian and Laurel are working with in Weyburn. Pray for Reese and Janelle as uh, they work with our youth here in Nippon. Pray for our young people. And pray that God would give them courage and wisdom. Pray for the town of Nippon. Pray for your neighbors on your street. 
And uh, for the people who live in whatever community you happen to be from, pray for the couples that, that are sitting around you. Take a look around you this morning. And, uh, but most of all, pray for yourself and ask that God, God show me, God show me where that old person is trying to come back to life. Lord, I want to be a walking dead. I want what is dead to stay dead and to live in this newness of life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the biblical reality that we are new beings. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, your word says. And Lord, how we long for that reality to be fulfilled, to be consummated, to be part of our lives. But in the meantime, Lord, we live with this duality of the old nature and the new nature and, and the struggles that we have. Lord, I pray for each of us here and, and for myself that you would help us to, to obey your word, Lord, not just to read it, not just to understand it, but to obey it, to put this stuff to death and then to clothe ourselves, put on this stuff that we need to put on. Father, give us wisdom, give us discernment, Lord, as we go out into this community. Help us to walk in newness of life, to demonstrate the reality, not just say to people that we are Christians, but to demonstrate. Help us to live as Christians, as the people you want us to be, to be not the walking dead, but the walking light and the walking salt of the earth. Thank you for Hector and for, for Kyle. And Lord, we again pray your blessing upon them, upon their friends and their families. And we just ask that you would use each of us as you see fit as we leave this building through these doors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Go find these boys and say, hey guys, I'm proud of you. And uh, have a great day.